And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20. When you do that, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer, Patrick Lyons, and on this episode of the podcast, we've got a hodgepodge of things to talk about. We've got to get a little more in-depth on the roster. If you are a lover of the nitty-gritty details and minutia, which is one of my favorite words both to spell and to say, of the Colorado Rockies roster, then boy, are you in luck because we are diving deep into this thing today. Uh, also, a friendly reminder, too, that Mondays are a good days for uh, – uh, random Q&As uh, for us. If you are joining us for the lives here on Facebook and Periscope, you know, a lot of times throughout the week, Patrick and I have very specific topics we want to dive heavily into. We've you know, done a lot of research on some of these things. Sometimes we haven't, but so a lot of times we have. And we uh, oftentimes we, we, we want to stick on those subjects. So we'll be getting deep into it and we'll see comments, you know, here in the section. We never want to always bring us your comments. Always, always, always. But if we don't respond you know, if it's a little off topic sometimes, that's the reason why. These Mondays usually we're wrapping up any news and stories and and narrative talking points from the weekend. It's a good time to jump in and, and get us to give our thoughts on anything, either Rockies related or around the league. Today is another good day to do that. But Patrick, last week there were a couple of things we touched on lightly but didn't really dive into, uh, partially because of all the Nolan Arenado hubbub that came out. On Friday, right? And we were so grateful to have AJ Hayfley and Michaela Perkins on to talk through all that. So, so I think we hashed out that issue. One thing we did talk about a little bit was the guys the Rockies protected in the Rule 5 draft, the guys the Rockies did not protect in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, but we didn't really dive into it. Let's begin there with, I think, the two biggest names. Not necessarily surprises, because the fact that they protected Colton Welker I don't think was a surprise. I think that was the biggest slam dunk of the group. But I think he's the headliner of the group of guys they they did protect. And I think the headliner of the group of guys they didn't protect that both AJ and you uh, noted and and joked about, and it's it, and it needs to be discussed more. And it's part of the reason why we're here today is Riley Pine, a former first round top ten pick that the Rockies have now left open to anyone in baseball who wants to grab him in the rule five draft. Uh, so which one of those things is, is bigger news to those Rockies fans who just can't get enough 
of the minutia of the deep down second layer of the minor leagues of the Rockies. In a way, you kind of answered your own question because the the bigger news is Riley Pint because Colton Walker was essentially a slam dunk. So that was news you were kind of expecting to happen. It wasn't any kind of shock. It was just kind of a formality that on November 20th, that, that deadline day to protect players from the Rule 5 draft, you knew that Colton Welker was going to be there. You had an idea that Brett Boswell was going to be one of those guys as he had appeared in spring training camp the last two years, made himself a little more valuable going from second base to center field and playing some outfield, uh, much like uh, Ryan Valade has done. And, and he'll be a guy next year that gets protected at this time. Those two guys seemed like a, a surefire deal. And Riley Pint was the big question mark. And it seemed like he was going to be protected for numerous reasons. One, it, I think in a lot of ways, it, it saves the organization face. You don't protect him. Then these questions come up about, well, really, you know, it's, it's half of one, uh, six, uh, six, <laughs> six of one, half a dozen of the other. Where I think that's right. I, I went, I went the other way around. Um, but you, you can say, oh man, they didn't draft well. They did an awful job on that. Well, Maybe they didn't develop well. They did awful at that. And some people would probably criticize them for both when it really might be one or the other and maybe a little column A, column B, but not a complete failure on both ends And because the story hasn't been completed yet. So there was some chance that they would want to save face. There would be some chance that they wouldn't want another team to go out, nab him, and you know make the Rockies look bad. And again, keep in mind, if Riley Pint can go out next year and, and even – just contribute to a team, contribute to like a Detroit Tigers team, and then they're able to get two, maybe three seasons of decent relief pitching out of Riley Pint in the next couple of years, that'll sting because that's not only a guy that they wasted a, a fourth overall pick in the twenty in the 2016 draft, but also another team was able to get some value out of him in an area that Colorado needs to be able to get value out of. And that's relief pitching and and in the final way that it i think you got to say well they'll probably protect him because look he has something to offer i imagine you know did did have tommy john surgery so that kind of really hampered his development a little bit uh, or a lot so he's he's been quite wild but you say you know what this this kid could still have something left and there could be an opportunity for us to develop him he doesn't even need to play in the majors next year the Rockies and, and all other 30 teams have to deal with this question every year about protecting a player because they know the upside is really high. They know another team is clamoring for this player's services. And you say, well, you know what? This guy might not be ready next year, and we might need another half a year after that. You might not even see Riley Pine play until you know June, July of 2022, and that would be fine. As it were, the biggest shocker is the fact that Riley Pint, we might not ever see him don the purple pinstripes ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are at this point say, fine, and if it works out, you know, and uh, I, I think it would be too bad. Uh, I, there's obviously a lot of potential there. Uh, but it, it's obviously a very easy to justify move right he just hasn't shown it yet he just hasn't 
done it. And the potential is one thing when you're walking per nine, that's just not, <laughs> that's just not a tenable situation for anybody. And so uh, it's, you know, it, I suspect because of the raw arm and ability and the reasons he was drafted so high and all that, somebody out there probably will grab him there. I think there's a small chance um, that he stays with the Rockies, but I, I think it is a, a pretty small chance. And I wouldn't be shocked if he does catch on as a reliever for somebody somewhere. I would, I'd be pretty shocked if he turned the whole thing around and became some kind of stud starter. Like I don't, I don't see that in his future, but whether he's with the Rockies or not, you know, quality reliever, uh, I, I think is very much, if he gets his head on straight and, and can start throwing the ball over the plate, a potential part of Riley Pint's future. So I, I think it's pretty likely somebody out there grabs him. And if don't be surprised if in a couple of years you're hearing about Riley Pint is yet another story where some smart team took somebody from the Rockies and they were able to turn him into something that those guys, those pinheads over there could never figure out as though it's the Rockies fault that he showed up and started immediately like firing to the backstop. It's it's one thing when like, if you change a guy's delivery and like they deserve all the criticisms they get for what they did with Tyler Matzik's delivery and some of these, Riley Pine just showed up and he couldn't pitch. That's that's just, from day one. He just showed up and he hasn't been good in the Rockies organization. And so we'll see what happens. Yeah, you you said a couple of things there worth breaking down. It's it's funny, and I I don't want to take you to task, but in a weird way, and I think you're just kind of um, you know. Uh, speaking about the typical narratives we see like hey the rockies you know they can't develop and don't be shocked if this guy goes out and is successful somewhere else but i in in a lot of ways i i would like i don't think he's going to be you know i i've been down on the the rockies at times and and critical of their ability to develop and uh, and their ability to draft well and, and and make the most of their draft picks but i you know the the fact that they didn't protect him and the fact that you know he's he's just hasn't shown anything in the minors really suggests that I, I think the Rockies know what they they've got in him. And I, I just yeah again he's got the pedigree, and there there are guys that you know it's it's amazing how you'd say in, in four years time a guy that gets drafted in in the first round or is even a top ten pick has no value. You know it it really really makes you think like you know this this past season at the trade deadline, I imagine Jeff Breidich, you know, one of the names he may have floated. And, you know, we, of course, we don't know how you creatively float those names. It's, it's kind of very much like the scene in Moneyball where, you know, Oh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I could probably take like a lefty, like a Ricardo Rincon. I mean, I don't know, you know, just you're, you're tossing out. Yeah. But, but I imagine Breidich probably did try to move pine because he knew, Hey, you know what? Sure. We're not going to, we're, we're not going to be protecting this guy. We, we really don't think, uh, much like your scouting report said, you know, hey, he showed up and just he was a one-pitch guy. He could throw 100 miles an hour in high school. He was from Kansas, would have made for a really great story in Colorado, as it were. Doesn't really have any value to the Colorado Rockies organization. But, hey, he's got some shine to him. So, hey, Baltimore Orioles, look, you've got a reliever here that, you know, is going to be due a couple million dollars next season. You know you're not in contention. We're going to give you a guy who was the fourth overall pick in the 2016 draft. Come on. 
that's you're you're gonna look really good to your fan base, aren't you? And the Orioles very easily could have said, yeah, no, no. Mike Elias was like, no, I, I know the the report is out on Riley Pine. Like he's we, he's got a damage. I those team. games too, bro. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, you know. And 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 that's not to say Riley Pine might not have himself a career, but I. I, I tend to think that, you know what, and in this case, because it seems so insane in some ways, right, that they would have had this kid so high and can still bring it, and he's still got some cheese to, to his fastball and some life, that mm-hmm. they wouldn't even bother protecting him in this. And if you don't see another team even picking him up in the Rule 5 draft, that tells you all there is you need to know that that yeah. tells you everything right there. And it's funny because you brought up a Tyler Matzik, uh, and that was a name that I was, I was thinking of is like, okay, look how long it finally took for yeah. him to catch on. And I think with all the success he had in Atlanta this year, the nice thing was besides him having success uh, after, after being a, a guy in Colorado for a little while that, you know, couldn't really make it work. No one was really saying, Man, the Rockies, geez, if only they would have. And, oh, here's another example. You know, maybe that was touched on a little bit here and there. But for the most part, you go, it didn't work out in Colorado. He kind of had to step away a little bit to find himself, to figure some things out. He had some success. Good for him. That's probably the best we might be able to hope for, for Riley Pine. Right. It's um, We talk all about baseball being a game of adjustments and – You and I, I think specifically, uh, have tried to drive home the theme of how small the margin of error can be. And and I'm sure people have heard us say things, Patrick, like, you know, Jairo Diaz or Carlos Estevez could be among the Rockies' best relievers next year. And people are like, what are you guys talking about? Are you out of your ever-loving minds? Did you just watch what we all did? Jairo Diaz? Are you kidding? But that's because... The difference between Jairo Diaz being what he was in the last 60 games we watched, 2020, and what he was in 2019 is – I got to go with the visual, so I hope you're with us here on the Facebook. The Paris goes live. It's like this, right? It's this this tiny – like, and and that's what – at the major league level, if you're off by that much, what what, what do they say in the Mighty Ducks? It's quarter of an inch, the the size of the the post of a a hockey goal, right? If you're off by a quarter of an inch and you're – delivery and your execution and your thought process and your confidence at the major league level. That's the difference between being a Carlos Estevez who in 2017 was Bud Black's go-to guy against right-handed power hitters down the stretch that got them into the postseason. And a Carlos Estevez who was carried on the postseason roster over Adam Adovino at that time. And the guy we just saw in 2020, who was every time Bud Black, called for him to come in the game. You're out there going, really? He's going to give up a three-run jack, and the game's going to be over. And the difference between those two things, it's so fractional at the major league level. And the fact that we've seen it from those guys is why we believe in it. Back to the topic at hand, the adjustments that need to be made to turn Riley Pint into a, a major league caliber player or the kind that take years and years to make. It's why the Tyler Matzik example is there. That's why we don't say this can't happen for this kid. You don't say that. It's just the level of adjustment is enormous. It's the size of the whole damn hockey net, right? It's not just that quarter of an inch that he needs to get. And so if 
if no one takes him and he comes back into the organization and he's allowed to try to work through that over the next three years while still in the organization, fine. And if someone else grabs him, fine. Let let him be their project, right? Uh, on the flip side of it, unless you had anything left uh, to add on Pine, I just wanted to say quickly on um, Colton Welker, uh, this, this is another guy that I think gets overlooked a lot when people talk about the weakness of the Colorado Rockies system and their kind of general inflexibility. I think he's actually one of the players in the organization that gives them quite a bit more flexibility as a little bit of insurance at uh, some of these positions. Now, I don't know that he's done uh, the first base thing that much. Um, he's mostly played third. I know he's done a little bit of outfield as well, a little bit of left field. So it's not that he's got like all this positional versatility, right? But he's got, first of all, pro prospect shine on him, which is one thing that not a lot of guys in the Rocky system do have. And he does play, you know, the position. So if you do happen to trade Nolan Arenado, that it's not just all on, say, Ryan McMahon to take over, then Colton Welker is right there in the mix as well. And Ryan Vallade is actually another guy. These, these, these guys both actually kind of have this, right? And so uh, I think he's a really interesting guy in the system. I, I believe in his bat. I, I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to make it to the major league level and be a decent player. Can he be better than that? I don't know. But he's one of those guys that I think you can either see him as potential decent trade value if the Rockies do want to build and, and and try to figure out a way to, to just build on top of the core that they already have, or a guy you could look at for the next generation if they do ultimately go, we got to trade Nolan and or Story and go a different direction there. But one of the things that makes us feel okay about doing that is we've got this guy, Colton Welker, who within a year or so should be ready to step up to the big leagues. Yeah, Welker, you know, you go back and look at his stats from from 2019 now, I and mean, it's the last full season, and they don't they don't seem very inspiring. He, he was much better in Lancaster, but he actually was very good. In fact, uh, as a year older in AA, he was a year younger than the average competition because, you know, we, we talk about those quadruple A players and guys that you look down on, on Albuquerque's roster. And you got some guys that are 28, 29, some guys are 30 in their early thirties because they, they still can contribute and, and could be a somewhat of a depth piece. So that brings up the average, you know, overall age and, and, and the, the veteran experience of those guys. So um, even though it was a little uninspiring, his numbers in Hartford, he was still amongst the the leaders there in the Eastern League because that's a that's a, a tough division to be uh, successful at offensively. You know the, the the ball doesn't carry quite as well uh, like it does in in, in Triple A in the Pacific Coast League uh, or High A uh, in Lancaster. Right. Um, and so, you know, his, his numbers were actually good if, if you go and look at, at the competition that he was going up against. And yeah, his ability to play first base could be really valuable. You also mentioned Ryan Vallade is one of those guys who's now playing some outfield. The, the real puzzling thing, or the, the troubling thing, I should say, is after Welker and after Vallade, there is, there's a big gap in players there there's a big gap in what the team has in capable guys in the minors some of that has to do you know with there not being a, a full season last year nobody knew popped up on our radar that we can talk about so really outside of the two first basemen um 
Grant Levine and Michael Toglia, who can play a little outfield and may need to if right. there's a long jam at first base, there that's kind of it as far as uh, as far as offensive players. So, you know, that's topic for another day uh, as far as what's coming up. But the one reason why they've been so successful, you know, or they were so successful in, in 17 and 18 is they had such this influx of young core guys that would, hey, you know what, let's let this veteran move on. We've got somebody else to come up in his place. Or even when it was Para and Cargo, there was Dahl and Tapia to battle for playing time. And we're getting to a point where there's not as many guys to battle the young players, and there's not as many young players to do any kind of battling. And I think that's going to bring down the overall you know, talent of the club. Uh, I think Boswell's is is going to do a nice job and and could be kind of Garrett Hampson 2.0, not with as much speed, maybe a little bit more power. He can play both yeah. infield and outfield. Can't play shortstop, but he can do second base. Might even have an arm. Might be strong enough to play a little third base if they need to. Um, this is one of the the things that the Rockies are doing well. Is they're they're getting a lot of positional flexibility out of their guys to move them around. Obviously, Welker needs to do that playing in the same organization as Nolan Arenado. Ryan McMahon did it, and he's been really quality. And and people have kind of put that DJ LeMahieu tag on him as a bigger second baseman that can play really capable defense and maybe might even be able to be, you know, a notch above that. I think Colton Welker could be that guy at first base with third base, you know, log jammed. Uh, Again, Boswell Valade, both traditionally infielders are now going to the outfielders. We know that was the case for Garrett Hampson. So they're trying to get a lot. They're trying to get a lot out of these guys and, and Welker and Boswell are the, are the next two biggest guys. The real question is, you know, Drew, in, in your opinion, were you, how shocked were you that Alan Trejo did not get protected on the 40-man on Friday? He was a guy that you got to see a little bit in spring training and has, you know, in, in February of last year, he was had major league ready defense. Yeah. Does he worry you as a guy that might get taken in the Rule 5 draft? In a pre-COVID world, yes, uh, I, I would have been concerned about that because he's one of those guys that a smart team goes out and grabs. He gets poached by the A's or the Rays or somebody like that in that situation where they've kind of got their options in an offseason. They can go out and they can spend a, a 40-man roster spot on an Alan Trejo whose bat is a total project, but they love his defense. And maybe they feel like they can get the best out of him. I think knowing how many proven major leaguers are going to have a hard time finding jobs this off season, Trejo is, is relatively safe to return to the Rockies organization. It's, it's a risk uh, them leaving him out there because you know, the defense plays uh, and you know, he's, he's one of those guys that the organization loves, right? It's really funny for as much flack as they catch for this particular thing, right? Of loving gamers or, However, uh, grinders, right? He's 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 that dude. He is that guy who's not going to hit for a ton of pop, but he grinds out at bats. He does all the little things right. He, you know, knows how to run the bases well. All the little defensive things. He's just a, a it, it, in any other category, right? If there was no major leagues, he he'd be a phenomenal baseball player to anybody, right? Um, if you went and saw this guy play anywhere, you think, man, that guy can play. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I think he's he's in a relatively safe spot. I hope he returns to the league. I think he's a really good depth piece for the team. Again, I, I think he exists more in that class of like a, a Josh Fuentes, a guy who was never really 
a prospect, but then just shows up to the big leagues one day and you, you turn around and he's had himself a six or seven year career. I think that's what is in store for Alan Trejo, whether it's with the Rockies or with someone else. But given the specific situations right now, I think the chances are are pretty high that he returns. And I hope he does because he's a he's a quality asset. That's just, no, that's really astute. I think that makes sense. And the the other issue too is, you know, you have to keep these guys around for the entire season. And again, right. they're now the Rockies would have had to put Trejo on the forty man roster. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be on the Rockies. He just has to be on the forty man. You might never see him at Coors Field. To be a Rule Five, this guy obviously gets added to the forty man, but is on the twenty six man active roster. And right. so you have to hide that guy on the big league field. And again, his defense is going to be fine. You can bring him in late in games, but if he's hitting, you know, a buck 90, that's going to be a hard thing. It's, it's so much right. easier to do for, you know, relief pitchers again, as like mop up innings and, and late in games and, and, and low leverage situations. You're right. It becomes a lot harder. And I think, man, you could get to that boiling point of, you know what? We, we can't do anything with this guy. So um, I, I could see it, a, a team maybe snagging him and, and seeing if the bat is going to play a little bit. I think while the innocent um, in mentioning that, you know, he misses the Arizona fall league, Arizona fall league, the fact that it, it didn't occur this year. Now there, there was some complex leagues that were played, but because that didn't occur, I think in many ways that, could have cost Alan Trejo a spot on the 40 man because he goes out and plays for those, you know, 20 games, you know, for the, uh, uh, Scottsdale rafters, the, the name, oh, the, uh, the salt river rafters, excuse rafters, me, the salt river rafters, um, goes out and, and, and hits 300 there against some of the top prospects in the game, other double AA, a triple a caliber pitchers. You go, well, now we have to because a lot of other people got to see what he's capable of. And now it, it becomes so much harder. Like, who has seen anybody play? You know, now you'd be taking a guy, you know, in Rule 5 that you saw two years ago. Or, you know, you saw him at the end of 2019, but you're not going to really get that guy on your roster until, you know, spring, you know, April or May. Right. Of, of 2021. So do the math. You're talking a year and a half since maybe you, you've really laid eyes on this guy and what can happen in a year and a half, you know, a guy can go from a top prospect like a rally pint to doesn't mm -hmm. isn't even worth a 40 man spot. So it's going to be really strange to see what happens in the rule five. And, and as you said, there's so many veterans that are left out there that it, it's going to be really hard to, to justify, you know, taking one of these rule five picks. And I, I honestly don't know how much money it costs to do these transactions because it's not anything I've ever really paid. It's like $50,000 here right. or offer yeah. back for a hundred. So it's like not a lot of money. You go, yeah, we're league minimum is $500,000. And you know, these guys are signing a hundred million dollar contracts, yada, yada, yada. And so it's like, that's, that's chump change. Why don't more teams, make a play on these guys for 50,000, 100,000, whatever it may be. That's chump change. Well, guess what? That's a lot of money right now. So you have right to now. really know what you're getting for this if you're going to protect a player. And I think a lot of teams don't. So we it could be, it could be an all-time low. It could There has that potential for it to be an, an all-time low or an all-time high. I, I have honestly – uh, I can't make heads or tails of it. And uh, I've only heard a little bit from a couple sources here and there. It's, it's still maybe too soon to know if it's going to be a, a wild rule five or not. 
Yeah, it, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. There's two more players that uh, I did want to talk about really quickly before we move on to the next group of players that we have to talk about because, uh, well, you brought them up maybe without even realizing it a moment ago. But uh, really quickly, the last two guys that were uh, protected, we've talked about uh, lefty pitcher Helchris Oliveras uh, quite a bit. Uh, we did a lot of research on him specifically, you know, around draft time too, really putting together the Rockies organizational depth chart, realizing, you know, what they've got. Looks like a potentially pretty quality pitcher there, but very young and still very, uh, you know, still several years away from the big league. So it was interesting that they went out and protected him. But I think that just the the overall talent, the fact that he's a lefty and the, and the organization is just bereft of lefties with high-end, potentially elite talent. And again, potentially elite, you're talking about this kid reached like 5% of his potential, but very, very good at the very least is what he's been so far. And so, uh, you know, they, they've decided to hang on to him. And I, and I think some similar logic, but to the less extreme on the talent with Lucas Gilbreth, who I'll, I'll have to admit, Patrick, was when I saw that name, I went, I'm pretty sure I've heard of him. Uh, it was one of those, like, you know, when you're watching something and there's like a character actor who you've seen in a hundred other things before, but you don't know their name. And you're like, oh, right, 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 that guy, that guy, right, that guy. Um, I, I was surprised by how much I didn't remember about Lucas Gilbreth. But I think the Rockies taken a couple of quality, you know, potential lefties here. Uh, keeping those guys in the organization makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Gilbreth is a, a great story. He's a Colorado kid. You know, was born in Westminster, um, and 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 went to school in, in that area. Went to Broomfield, I believe, and uh, seventh round pick. So he wasn't wasn't terribly high. You know, his numbers were okay. Uh, actually, probably pitched better in Grand Junction than anywhere else. That was probably his his best Weird. season. Was at was at altitude, right? Nobody um, does that. Nobody has their best season in Grand Junction. That's not. Yeah. And it goes kind of goes to show you too, like when you're when you're looking at at some of these prospects, that the numbers aren't really the most important things. It's almost the confidence that the team has in a guy. Like when when he went out and was was starting with Lancaster in 2019, he made all 28 of his starts to a 5.81 ERA. This is the guy that they just protected, but it's Lancaster. You know, it's the California League. Uh, oh. When the wind's blowing out there at the hangar, that's actually what it's called. Uh, yeah. But when the wind's blowing out, it's it's ridiculous. Unfortunately, it's one of the reasons why Lancaster is one of the teams uh, on the chopping block. So you might not ever see the the Jet Hawks uh, under the banner of, of MLB and, and minor league baseball again. You know, but but he was able to to strike out a lot of guys there and uh, was was really good in. in uh, in Asheville, uh, was able to keep his walk numbers down, had like a five to one strikeout to walk ratio. Wasn't as good in 2019, but again, there were elements there. And again, the fact that he's a left-handed starter has some value, you know, well, it remains to be seen if, if they will decide to use him more in the, in the bullpen role. I would, I would tend to think that that might be the case, uh, yeah, since I they, think so. since I they think need so. to, to, in, to inject some some big league help. Oliveras, not as much just because he's he's a lot younger. Now, again, if, if they really they shouldn't have that need. Like like anytime you add a guy to the to the 40 man roster, depending on his his age or his level, you probably, you know, shouldn't expect to see him the first half of that season. Uh, and a guy with a guy like Oliveras who has we're we're talking about 46 and a half, I think yeah, 46 and a half innings pitched in America. That's yeah. it. That's, 
all that that is he still twenty one or did he have a birthday? No, he, he's twenty years yeah. old. He turned twenty in August. Oh, so okay. okay, so yeah, he just still okay. yeah, yeah, still crazy young. And that you know that's that's the rules where you have a guy like Gilbreth who. Uh, gets added to the 40-man, first opportunity, he's 24. Olivares gets added his first opportunity, he's only 20. Well, Olivares was signed at 16 years old. Gilbreth yeah. you know, was signed out of college, so he was a little bit older when he was drafted. So they got those same short windows. But you know, Olivares, you know, I got to see, I, I didn't get to see him, unfortunately, down in Colorado Springs. The, the Grand Junction went there a lot, didn't end up pitching. Saw him work a side session, look really fluid. You know, I, I liked his mechanics. I like what he was able to do. Had had okay numbers again for Grand Junction, but it's again, it's not even about the numbers. It's about what you're doing. It's about putting in that work. We've we talked about it during the season. Herman Marquez, hey, guess what? Your ERA got inflated because you were left out on the mound to get out of one of your own jams. Right. That's a skill you need to learn in the minors. Or, right. Or like guys going out in spring training, and like I'm just going to throw a curveball today. That's it. And oh man, hey, hey, John Gray looked really bad in spring training. You know, is he is he still the opening day starter? You know, is is he battling Castellani now for the for the fifth spot in the rotation? It's like no, they're working on specific things. So same thing is going to happen in those lower levels of the minors. So you take those numbers with with a grain of salt. So uh, I'm 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 so happy for for Oliveira's again. Just a young guy that that's that's their lottery ticket more so yeah. than Pine. So you know what? If you're if you're saying we like the future of Oliveras, we want stock in him over Pine. I'm fine with that. Great story for Gilbreth too. Again, as a local kid yep. out of the University of Minnesota, you 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 just love to to see those kind of additions to the roster. Yeah, yeah, fun fun stuff there. I'll tell you what else is fun. Betting on Thanksgiving Day football. I'll tell you what, I'm excited, Patrick, because DraftKings is hooking us up with a pretty fantastic situation. You see, we got a little game on Thanksgiving between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And the cool thing about this is that if either team scores a touchdown, and my understanding is that is the point of the game of football, if either team scores a touchdown, they will give you a chance to double your money. That's right, double. That's a coup times making your monies. It's there. Look, DraftKings is always hooking you up with fantastic deals like this. We had all kinds of fantastic stuff during the baseball season. Pointing out whether they'll let you even bet sometimes pitch to pitch. It's really amazing what that they allow you to do to get into it. Uh, whether you want to be super hardcore try to make a little money on this thing or you know you're throwing in five bucks ten bucks here and there you're just you know adding a little bit of excitement just getting a little bit of skin in the game it makes it a little more fun especially I find if you're watching a sport you're maybe new to uh, like our new rugby friends I know a lot of people are getting into rugby because we got that situation going on one way to make sure that you care more about the outcome of that game than you would have before is put a little bit your own cash on the line it really does make things fun again whether you win or not obviously a little more fun when you do come out on the plus side you you win a little bit of money but again download that top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code dnvr when you sign up to get this can't miss offer giving you the chance to double your money if either pittsburgh or baltimore scores a touchdown in thursday night's game that's right all a touchdown 
and you double your money when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Well, Drew, as you know, I'm on I'm on a bit of a hot streak. I think I've won about right. five weeks in a row here. Got it started with uh, Mexico over South Korea in the old football Soccer, if you will. And I'm going back, going back to the well. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave the thing, the Turkey Day stuff, to the pros. RK, Andre, Hank does a good job along with Eric, and I'm, I'm excited because this weekend's a big one in the EPL, the English Premier League, is my club, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, they're battling for the, the top spot there right now. They're, they're at the top of the table, but they got to go to Stamford Bridge uh, to play Chelsea. Chelsea wins. They could go Bring top it. of the table. And your team versus right my now, team. I didn't even know. Let's go, baby. Come on. You're a Chelsea dude. So, oh. I mean, I was back in the day. It's been a minute since I, but that was my team. When the, when I got into the EPL in college for the short period of time, I really followed a team. It was the DGA Drogba Chelsea team. Yeah. Didier Drogba. Yeah. From uh, mm-hmm. Ivory coast. You got Frank yeah. Lampard yeah. from that group. And Shoot, I can't remember any other players. Uh, no, I can't either. I did no, I'm, no, no, Neymar never played. There, there was a guy like that though, a really good Brazilian player. I felt like was on that. And now I can't. A remember. Defender named Diego back then. Yeah. Didier Drogba. Yeah, yeah, he was. Ooh, he was a bad man. He was very yeah. good. Yeah. But I like uh, it, it, this. Is so my DraftKings pick of the week is Tottenham going to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I'm taking a tie. It's plus 245. Now, both are two high-scoring teams. Uh, they're both top of the table as far as goals scored. Tottenham, only giving up nine goals so far in their eight matches. So uh, Hugo Lloris, fantastic goalkeeper that they got from the French national team. So I, I think it's going to be 1-1. So you could even go that deep if you would like to. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go somewhat safer. And I think. I think Tottenham. Uh, they've won four of their last five. They've gotten a result in all five. Same as Chelsea. But I think it's gonna be a, a one-one draw there. DraftKings pick of the week: Tottenham at Chelsea plus two forty-five on the tie. That's a lock. I'm keeping my streak going. Love it. Your team versus my team. Of course, they're gonna play in Stalem. How else could it come out? Uh, fantastic. I love it. Hey, do you remember if any of the players on the Rockies were, were Chelsea fans? There were a couple that were Tottenham fans. Yeah, I can't remember now, but yeah, no, I I, I know um, Cargo was always just a fan of whoever Cristiano Ronaldo was playing for. <laughs> okay. Those guys Fair. had a whole thing. And they had the CR because Ronald, Cristiano Ronaldo used to wear Rockies hats. Right, right. Just because it said CR. Yeah, Jake McGee, Daniel Murphy, both Tottenham fans. They're gone, but still sticking around. Scott Oberg, also Tottenham fan. Tottenham guy. That makes sense. That tracks. So you can make a lot of money if you follow Patrick's suggestions, but you could make, I think, even more money if you could bet on this, Patrick. And it's what's going to happen with this next group of players that we're going to talk about. Because as you laid it out before, and this is part of why I think I get so frustrated and I think why there's a big disconnect between some fans where I tweeted out the other day, you know, I think Rockies fans are more uh, united now than they've ever been about anything before and that they want Jeff Breidich gone. But they're also more divided than I've ever seen them about what they actually want done with the roster. From what I've witnessed, there seems to be pretty much a 50-50 split between 
build around this core, just do it correctly and blow the whole thing up, rebuild. This isn't working. This team's going nowhere. Start over. And, you know, and, and, I, and I don't know that there's a right answer to that. And I think the reason for that is this. You kind of coalesced it for me earlier as you were discussing the prospects that they don't have, right? Or the farm system that isn't quite there anymore. And you may be asking yourself, and you may ask yourself, where did that farm system go? And is it just because they didn't do any drafting well at all? And you look back over the last decade and you go, there's some misses in here, but there's obviously some hits. You look back and you go, well, did they trade away all of their best prospects? You go, no, let me check the transaction records. They haven't traded away to a forest wall here or there, you know, sure. So what happened? Well, they all graduated to the big leagues, and there's a group of players that Patrick. I, th I think we gotta we gotta come up with a name for these guys. I'm gonna call them for now the Lost Boys. That's what I'm calling them, my old Peter Pan self, the Lost Boys. You have a group of players who are the oldest, 26 years old, and at the youngest, I think some of these guys are still. Uh, I think down to Brendan Rogers at 23, right? Guys who were no longer prospects. They done graduated. They're in the bigs. They're big league ball players. But do we know? what they are and this is a big group of players from the eldest being david Dahl, who is captain of team lost boys who is emblematic of this entire problem which is potential that makes you go whoa and a reality on the field that makes you go ah that's this whole group ryan mcmahon potential that makes you go whoa and reality so far on the field that makes you go ah brendan rogers Potential that makes you go, ooh. On the field results that make you go, ah. Raimel Tapia. Now, I think he's a little more, he's one of the more found of the Lost Boys, right? We, I think we've got a better indication of what he is. But still, people aren't sold on whether or not some people think, hey, yeah, I'll take that guy on my team. That's a quality player that adds value. Some people think, it's just a guy, just a thing, just below average. Player. Josh Fuentes. Who is Josh Fuentes? These are the lost boys. These are the players who hold the key to the Colorado Rockies future. You can throw Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez into this group. They're a little bit older, but they're pitchers. So it's like, like pitcher years. It's like doggy years. Like you just you roll it up a little bit more. You can even throw like Sensatella and Castellani into this group. Peter Lambert's no longer really a a prospect, right? These guys who have graduated. So none of them count toward the Rockies having a good farm system. So while it's correct when people say there's no one from the farm system that's going to show up and save the Rockies, right? Because Colton Welker and Ryan Rollison aren't those guys. If those guys exist, they exist in this group, not in the farm system. They're in the lost boys. And it all comes down to do you believe in very many of these guys? And if you don't, if you're a, a particularly cynical or not even necessarily cynical, if you just your take on these Rockies is, nope, they don't have it, then you're probably in the camp of tear it all down, rebuild from the ground up. And if you're in the camp that actually, no, I, I think McMahon is going to take that next step. And I think there's something there in Brendan Rodgers. And, you know, Dahl, whether he stays healthy or not, at least 
when he's out there, he's usually pretty good. And if, if that's your take, then you're probably not ready to blow this whole thing up yet, Patrick. I, th I, I think that is the central question now for this team. And I don't believe for a second that anyone knows for sure the answer to what this group of players is capable of. It's a fair question because if there is nobody coming to help them and there isn't, then you say, well, you, it's, you got to make the most of what you can in this window. If, if, if you believe that, right, there's maybe one more year. If you make the right moves this off season, maybe you get a second year to contend. You're not going to be a powerhouse, but you could contend. Um, you targeted all the right guys. Like this idea that there are players that the, the shine might be off them just a little bit. They're obviously not prospects anymore, but I don't think you can definitively say, eh, this guy's just a, a fourth outfielder. There's, there's Sam Hilliard. Sam Hilliard, I, I yes. I just thought, and just, you, just you said fourth outfielder, didn't name popped in my head that I didn't mention before. Same. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I think, I think it might it might worry some Rockies fans to think like the fate of this team in the next couple of years, and maybe even beyond that. Because if you if you play it out, if you play these string of seasons out the next two years, and say, "Hey, I, I think these lost boys can go ahead and make an impact," and it doesn't work, you are that much further away from your goal. You're it's you're that much further away from that rebuild and uh, extracting any value out of Arenado and Blackman or anything like that that you might typically get in a trade. And again, what I'm about to say is a very small sample size, but it might, you know, open up a little window. If you look at three of the best players that the Rockies have had, uh, eh, you know what? Maybe, maybe we do need to go ahead and say uh, four of the last five guys, maybe five of the last six players that when they came onto the scene for the Rockies, you almost immediately knew what you had. That you almost immediately knew what you were getting and the sky was the limit. Nolan Arenado, immediately, Gold Glover, his bat ended up evolving, you know, a yeah. little bit better, maybe than what he would have thought. But regardless, you didn't have those questions. He was not a lost boy. Trevor yeah. Story, historic rookie season in yeah. 2016. You could say the same about Herman Marquez. No awards to show for it other than Silver Slugger. Um, <laughs> but if we're talking about pitching, and, and, and again, if you're, if you're outside this market, you're going, wait, what? You're talking about Herman Marquez not doing what you're, you know, being, being that guy? Like, he's still not a guy. Well, he is in Rocky's parlance. You probably could say that about John Gray. He had a hiccup. Kyle Freeland, you could say that about, yes, he had a hiccup. You might even say that about Antonio Senzatella, although he did have a little issue, so Maybe I want to pull him back. Um, so that's five guys that I just named that they they weren't lost when they came to the majors. They got it done almost immediately. The one exception, of course, being Charlie Blackman, who it did take him a while to kind of figure it out. And, you know, he's the guy that you're most looking towards and saying, hey, Dahl, Tapia, Hilliard, Diaz, Carlos Estevez, Peter Lambert, all these guys aged, you know, 28. Sure. Um, but, but you can look and say, you know what, for the most part, those guys, you didn't have those questions about maybe had the little hiccups, but you didn't have those questions about them. And it, it becomes hard to believe that maybe these guys, you know, are, are the way of the future that their, their best hopes for, you know, getting some, some, uh, salvation 
from their system is is already on the roster. I, I think I think there is still a lot of talent on the Rockies' twenty six man roster that you could dream or hope on, but maybe at a certain point, and we might be at that point right now, those hopes and that well, if this goes right and that goes right and this goes right, it becomes a little daunting and it becomes hard to say. I think it could happen, but is there a chance? Definitely. Definitely there's a chance on the upside of these lost boys. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it really it comes down to every single individual. And, and, and I see what you're saying, but it, it really to sure. me has no bearing, you know, what these other players have or, or haven't done. I, I take each case as they come to me, and that's part of the reason why I'm nowhere near as negative on this team as a lot of people are. Because when you run through the list of lost boys one by one and just have me – give you my my most honest take on who I think the player is and who I think the player is going to be moving forward. You know, my analysis is going to be a lot more positive than other people's analysis on guys like Ryan McMahon or, or Josh Fuentes or, or Sam Hilliard probably. Um, and and that's fine. I, I accept that. I, I stand by my analysis on those players and what I think they're still capable of in the future. And, you know, when we're all we're all trying to predict the future, it's a <laughs> very difficult thing to do, to be sure. But um, I think your your point that is the most salient to me in, in any hesitation toward believing in this group, and I do, is that point about if they don't have it, you you really do have to believe in them. I mean, you're you're you can't just think. Hey, this could happen. Hey, it probably can happen. You have to be relatively assured that at least enough of these players, they're not going to hit on all of them. And and I, I do balk a little bit because sometimes I bring stuff up like this and people go, Drew, you're counting on everything to go right for seven different players. Like, no, I'm counting on some things to go right for four of the seven different players and for them to fulfill, uh, you know, if they fulfill 70% of the talent that I see there, Ryan McMahon's a very good baseball player, right? Um, same thing with some of these other guys. And so, uh, but I, I think the point about if it goes sideways, you can't salvage it. Like there's, and, and we've seen that already with captain of Team Lost Boys, right? David Dahl is already in a situation where if you'd have traded him two years ago, you probably could have gotten some decent players and restocked your system. Now, it wouldn't have made any sense with the Rockies, and if you'd have traded him two years ago, right in the middle of 2018 season, the Rockies don't make the the wild card game in 2018. So, you know, would they have a better farm system? Yes. Would that have been a better, probably individual arc for this player and the team value and all of that? Yes. If they'd have traded David Dahl the middle of 2018, their organization would be in a better spot than it is right now. But they wouldn't. They'd have, they'd have missed all that fun stuff at the end of that year. Remember how good he was at the end. But still, yeah, you you look at him now and you can't get anything for him in a trade. He's a guy who had all this shine just a couple of years ago. And if the you know Brendan Rodgers is heading very quickly down a similar path, Ryan McMahon is heading down a similar path. Now we, now with injuries, at least McMahon's had his health and his exit velocity to hang his hat on, and his really solid defense. Um, you, you've got some some more things there. Sensatella, I, I would fight you on a little bit too. I, I think he had more of a rocky start to his career. And, and so, uh, but yeah, man, you, you're right. You, 
if you're going to be in my camp, if you're going to walk this dangerous line with me here, recognize that it is a dangerous line because if it doesn't work out for McMahon or Rogers, basically by next year, if they still look like this at the trade deadline of next year, um, they've lost all, then you're in, then you're in whatever that you're past the point of no return. And if they don't eventually become really quality big leaguers, your whole franchise is stuck for a while. There's no way to trade out from underneath it. And so recognizing that as the potential risk, I do still believe in this group of players. You had said something earlier that made me think um, about, you know, things going right and, you know, kind of kind of coming together. And it, it, it kind of makes me think like, you know, players get get their skills and their tools graded on a 20 to 80 scale and and 50 like most scales is, is smack dab in the middle is average. And your goal is to try to find guys who have those above average skills, because even if they only have one skill, even if a guy is a 70, 75, 80 speed elite, the, one of the fastest guys you've ever seen, that's a guy you could, you could possibly extract value out of. That was Billy Hamilton. That was his story. All of his other tools were really low, but he was so fast that you say, well, this guy, we can get something out of him as a big leaguer. And the right. Reds were right. They were able to do that. But when you have guys that are 40, 45, 50, average tools all around, the, all around, there's no way that a guy like that can really elevate himself to becoming an above average big leaguer. They might be able to become a big leaguer, but not a, an above average. And 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 I think the goal in, in a lot of ways is to find guys that are going to be above average. I think you're going to find some average guys here and there, and, and some guys are going to earn it and, and bust their hump and be a hard worker and, and be a gamer. And that's, and that's, that's fine and well, and those guys will emerge, but you want guys that you can really dream on. And I think, you know, when I, when I taught elementary school and I, we, we talked about rounding the idea, you know, when you, when do you round up to the next number in the tens place versus right. rounding down is, you know, if it's four or less, uh, or rather I want to, I want to give you the, uh, the whole phrase. It was, uh, five or more go next door, six, or, uh, four or less, let it rest. So, you know, rhyming spiel to help kids out. Sure. Well, if you're a four, you just missed out on being a five, which means you just missed out on going up to another level. And right. if you're a five, you just missed out on becoming a four and going down and, and tanking your team. So there's such a fine line with, hey, I'm I'm going to be above average and I'm going to actually contribute to my team versus maybe not take away, but just not really contribute at all. And I feel like this group has a lot of those guys that are in this middle group that they might be fours or, and, and, and I, again, you know, I, I think all the guys that, that you've, you've pitched here and all the guys that are, are those lost boys. We haven't mentioned Jeff Hoffman. Right. Maybe he's in that group a little bit older. I think we know what we've got with him, but you still say, look at the pedigree, look at a couple of the skill sets, couple of good outings. And it's just at a certain point you say, you know what, you, you can only shave off so much to, to try to maybe, make someone look a little bit better than they actually are. And it becomes just hard to say, you know what, that, that 4.4 isn't a 4.5. So maybe the 4.5 we can make to become a five. And then that five becomes a 10. It doesn't necessarily work like that. And I worry that there is enough information 
out there to know that as a whole, this group might not work. Right. Individually, I think David Dahl. No, I don't think there's anywhere close to enough information to have arrived. I think David Dahl absolutely could be an all-star again. We know that. A multi-time all-star. If, yeah. if his health gets right, he, he's Charlie Blackman. Uh, Rymel Tapia has an opportunity to have a couple seasons where you go, dude, he got snubbed for the all-star team again. He could be that good. Ryan McMahon is a guy who should have a couple all-star appearances. We, we, I don't think he'll be, I mean, I think he can be DJ LeMahieu, but just not this New York Yankees version of DJ LeMahieu, who's the best middle infielder to ever come out of New York since Derek Jeter. That's, that would not be fair. He's not going to be that DJ LeMahieu. And even that DJ LeMahieu isn't the Rockies one. I think all of those guys you could look on and, and dream on and say that, but as a whole, I don't know that any of them individually is going to make it work. If, if, if one guy is does well one season and then tanks, but then the other guy does well, the the, the an odd numbered season and tanks. Overall, they they just didn't get what they needed. It needs to all click at once. That's the hard thing. That's the the most. See, I don't think that it does. I think that's the biggest misnomer of this entire conversation. Is people? Well, it has to click they... to be successful. I'm saying like in a singular season because that's what we're talking about. We're talking sure. about a singular season. We're not saying hey. We should keep David Dahl because he may have one more good season in him. If it not 21, maybe 22, maybe 23. You could do that. But if your window is actually only going to be 21, because like you said, if at the deadline next next July they don't have it, then they don't have it. They well, your window is only shorter if these guys don't work out, though, right? These guys turning into quality major leaguers, and that's what I'm talking about, not for a year cementing themselves as I belong in the big leagues. I'm going to be here as an above average player because they're all in their mid twenties. Still we're talking about for the next three or four or five years. And these are the guys who are all actually under contract for the next three or four or five years. They they've, hold cemented, the they've cemented themselves, but you're right. It's that above uh, average thing. Ryan McMahon is, is, is I mean, Ryan McMahon cemented himself as a, all, as a Tapia. We, we definitely know about these guys. Tompia starting just now has, and again, I don't think that like over a 60 game sample size, I think as of right now, he's considered a starter for the Rockies. I still don't know that there's a consensus that he would be like a starting outfielder, you know, on a lot of teams. And he probably wouldn't be. And maybe that's fair. Maybe it's not. There's a lot about what Ryan Maltapia can or can't bring over the course of a 162 game season that we don't know because we've never seen it. We've never seen him start over 162. And so there's a lot there that we still don't know. And I, you know, with Josh Fuentes again, and then you talk about, you know, certain skill sets, what is there to dream on potential gold glove defense is something to dream on. And, you know, if you bring a decent bat along with that, well, where's he hitting in the order? What do you need him to do with his bat? So I, you know, I, I, I just think the formula is so much more complicated than all of the them need to become the absolute best they can be. Otherwise, the Rockies are screwed. It's like, well, no, if if Ryan McMahon becomes a star player and Josh Fuentes becomes an okay player and Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz just split the difference of what they've been in their careers, but Dahl finally stays healthy, that could be it. And then you don't need – then forget about Jeff Hoffman and all this other – you know, all the other lost boys. Like, I, I just don't like – or maybe it's coming from the other direction. I don't I think, think there's any more than that. And, and see, I, don't, I really don't think that they do. And I, I think that's where the misnomer comes in with this club is there's the idea that like they've got to get an extreme amount of value out of 
like the lower half of their lineup. And again, I've just seen too many numbers, especially over the last couple of weeks that suggest to me that's, that's really not true. They can absolutely survive on a handful of star players, everyone else being decent and then getting the pitching that they need. That's the biggest thing, right? Is to get the, the, the pitching that they need, which I think that they have, that's where they have the most potential already. Anyway, it's, you know, kind of what gets stuck there where as you talked about Marquez Freeland gray, all being in that category and then uh, Sensatella having come along. So I, I really think that that's far more important. Obviously, they need a couple of those guys to be relievers or pitchers in general. I guess you could just open it that way. Like they need some of these guys who find the best version of themselves, right, to be pitchers. That's That that absolutely has to be a part of it. But I, I do think that it, it gets caught up in this weird notion of like, if David Dahl and Ryan McMahon don't become perennial all-stars, then this team is screwed. And it's like, how many friggin' perennial all-stars do the Colorado Rockies need in order to compete? They got to pitch, man. They, they, they don't need Dahl and McMahon to join Arenado and Story and Blackman in the you know star category. They just need to be good. They need good players after those guys. And I think they've got a lot of guys in this lost boys category who some could be stars. Some could just be good. Some will just not, you know? And, and so I, I totally get where, you know, the people who have no belief in it, but I, uh, and, and I think that's where the difference comes again. It's whether it's your level of belief in the players or how many of them you really think the Rockies need to be good in order for it to be a difference maker. I think that's where the biggest division with this team lies because a lot of people have just given up on these dudes and they just don't see a world where Brendan Rogers is a guy who's helping you win baseball games. And they don't see a world in where, you know, Jairo Diaz and, and Carlos Estevez are anchors in a bullpen They're you know, and, and I totally understand why that's the case, but um I think I think you know you 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 made a couple of really good points. I I think people I don't know that people have given up on Dolan McMahon. I think they maybe have given up on them as being those all stars. And the right. biggest takeaway of what you said was like people are counting on those guys to be the next all stars. They don't need them to be, which on one hand is true, and the other hand is not. It's definitely true because you've got story, you've got Charlie Blackman, who if he's still Charlie Blackman. You're fine. You've got Nolan Arenado. You've got again probably the best rotation that they've they've had uh, since since '09. So you, you go, okay, this has been fantastic. They they've got all of those things lined up. But so you're right. They don't need the, them to be stars in that way, and that's that's a huge piece. You're absolutely right. The other piece is that worry of well, maybe they don't need to be stars right now, but what happens if and when? or when and if, so I don't want to get pegged as negative. When and if the story becomes a free agent, same thing with John Gray. Oh, sure. That's, I mean, Charlie Blackman is another year older. So, you know, in, in a year from now, this could be, yeah, Charlie Blackman's still a Colorado Rockies player, but this is now a one-star team in Nolan Arenado. And then you say, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, we need you to be all-stars now. That's where, that's where it becomes close. And that's, Kind of like what you said, the timetable is the the first three months of the 2021 season. I, I thought it was going to be the first you know three months of this season in 2020 it in a normal world. It may have it been was, yeah. because you would have had 
Yeah, you you would have had John Gray and Trevor Story with a year and a half left on their contract to go, hey, you know what? Maybe we do need to blow this up a little bit, trade while their value is high, or rather trade while they still have some control. Um, now you're you're down to a year. You're probably not trading either of those guys. Um, and so you're going in just hoping, hey, if all things click right, maybe we can have you know one last ride for the Lost Boys. Which would be a fantastic book. I'm if whether it's a comic, maybe, I don't maybe. know what that book is about, but I'm picking yeah. it up. One yeah, last I ride mean, for the Lost Boys. One last ride for the. You're you're 100 right. <laughs> the future is the biggest concern, but and that's probably why somebody with my disposition is less because and and you know this about me being very much. It's not that I don't I don't think about the future. It's that I've conditioned myself not to worry about the future because so many things can change between a now and a year from now. And every time, every time in my life, I thought I knew what was going to happen three months in front of my face uh, in my personal life and my professional life. Just, I've been wrong, wrong, wrong. I've been way better at predicting what the Colorado Rockies are going to do, believe it or not, than I have been at what like is going to happen in my life. Right. And so that part of it is just, I don't get too attached to this idea of like, well, right, but Nolan's gonna leave, and Tre Trevor's probably be gonna be gonna be be, be gonna come. What? No, <laughs> gonna be come. Be gonna came a free Asked agent, and David Dahl will continue to be hurt all the time. And you know, I just I try not to get myself too caught up in things will continue to be as they are now because that has not been my life experience. Uh, that things will just continue to be right, and I'm I'm always impressed by you know how surprised we are you know i see whenever we throw out some of these trades patrick there was another one someone sent to us today on twitter and i i saw people going how could anyone possibly think this trade could go down and i i just you know how many trades have ever happened in pro sports where everybody goes oh yeah i saw this exact trade coming this happened exactly as i think it's fair for both teams we all agree that this every trade that's ever happened people go what one team did whatever, you know, we're always perplexed and baffled by when teams do stuff. So it's just, I, I, you're not wrong. In fact, you're a, you're a hundred percent right. If the lost boys stay lost, the Colorado Rockies will. That's a fact of the matter. Um, but hey, John, John Lennon, John Lennon said it best. Life is what happens when you're busy making plans, right? That's right. Totally. Totally. And that, that's why for me, I'm just like, you know what though? Let's roll it out. Let's worry about Trevor Story becoming a free agent when Trevor Story becomes a free agent. Let's worry about Nolan Arnado. I got to sign off. Good Lord, everybody. <laughs> Let's worry about him taking that opt-out when uh, on the day he says, you know, I don't need this $35 million. Let's, let's cross those bridges when we come to them. Uh, and, you know, for people who want to blow it all up now, I get it. I understand why you don't believe in this group, but... I don't know, keep their names in mind. Just remember them, because I there's something there, and I and I think this group of players knows that they are this group of players too. That's the last thing I'll say about them. I think Josh Fuentes in particular is keen on the existence of this group that absolutely can provide the Rockies with a great injection of enthusiasm and joy, and talent, and freshness, and players that you're suddenly excited to see every day. Imagine a world where you wake up and the Colorado Rockies are
going out there. Rymal Tapia is going for the 11th game in his hit streak. And David Dahl's been out there all year and is making his bid for another all-star game. And Ryan McMahon has taken that step forward, still hitting the ball really, really hard. But now he's hitting 280, 290 instead of that, you know, 240 with all the strikeouts. Still the strikeouts, but he's hammering the baseball and doing the thing. Sensatella has locked in. Josh Fuentes is now your everyday first baseman. And the bat is still a little bit of a project, but he fields everything that comes his way. And, you know, he's batting seventh in the lineup. So his 260 batting average with a little bit of that clutch gene that we know runs in the family is out there helping him win some baseball games. And your ball club is fun again. And I think one of the biggest things that the Rockies and Rockies fans right now, just they just they they don't like their baseball team, Patrick. They're not fun. They don't feel fun. And this that's the other thing that this group of players holds the key to. They hold the key to the Rockies potentially being good. But Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, Ryan McMahon, Rymal Tapia, Josh Fuentes, Tonio Sensatella, Iro Diaz, Carlos Estevez. These guys are the key to the Rockies being fun to watch again. It's in there. I know it's in there. I just... I hope the world gets a chance to see it. Yeah, I, I hope the world literally gets to see it in 2021. <laughs> it, it it seems like we, uh, we we'll be able to have some fans in the ballpark. Uh, we we hope by that time when it rolls around, I'm sure we'll have an abbreviated season. Uh, it's 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 almost guaranteed in my in my estimation. Uh, it's it's almost a lock, and. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll all be able to kind of gather at least somewhat at Coors Field in 2021. And no matter who's on the field, that will definitely be exciting. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll keep having these conversations, obviously, throughout the rest of the offseason. You got to join us. You got to weigh in. Let us know what you think of the Lost Boys. Maybe we'll even throw a little Twitter poll out there for you so we can figure out whether or not you think it's a group of players that – can take the Rockies to salvation or is going to drive them to eternal damnation. Not why we got, not sure why we got biblical at the end of this, but that's just where it went. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media at Patrick D Lyons at Drew Creaseman at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com. So you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks, uh, the DNVR bar is currently closed, but open for takeout. Uh, there, there are daily specials up on our Twitter page. And, you know, we've had some people asking, like, how long are you going to keep doing this? This is basically something that's going on down there that they were, they're, they're trying to get hours for these people, right, that, that work down at the bar. And uh, uh, pretty much all of Denver is on lockdown right now, and, and you can't go in. And so this is the only way that some of these people have got some work. And so the answer to the question is, is as long as we keep getting orders and they can continue to pay people some hours to, to make the food and, and have it ready for you to, to carry it out, they're going to be there doing it. And people have been calling at an extraordinary rate. We've, we've really been blown away. I was going to go down and get some chicken wings and we sold out of chicken wings, but then we got them back. So uh, it was, it was very different. It was a roller coaster day for me. Really was. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Either way, if you're a member of DNVR, you're a member of one of really just the greatest sports community, any community, anywhere in the world. I really am proud to just be one of you out here as a, a member of this community. Uh, we can't get together at the DNVR bar right now, but we can get together 
all the time on these daily live shows again monday through friday at 405 p.m on facebook and periscope we've all we've also got now dnvr watches the mandalorian we've got the dnvr gaming podcast all this extra stuff going your way if you're stuck at home make sure you're subscribed to everything uh, because we just want to make sure that we're all going through this together right that, that we've all got someone here that we can talk about our baseball team and our favorite tv show and whatever going on out there in the world join our discord chat the lounge talk to us about anything you want that's the great thing about becoming a member of the dnvr thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there i promise you that we will continue to be absolutely patrick lyons and drew creaseman in here and until next time i will see you at the ballpark